0: Welcome to the Copying Content Podcast. If you're a speaker, coach, consultant, trainer, podcaster, YouTuber, whateverer, who actually gives an ish about your audience, this podcast is for you. Our host, John Cook, shares interviews from top thought leaders on the topics of speaking, copywriting, content creation, branding, and marketing. So snuggle in those earbuds and let's get started. Welcome to the Copying Content Podcast. I'm your host, John Cook, and I'm joined today by Dan Russell, the founder of Vivid Labs. I actually met uh, met up with Dan. We met probably about uh, four months ago, and we actually met through his girlfriend, Melanie Spring, and we had just started a great conversation about neuromarketing and brain science-based persuasion. And what really jumped out to me is honoring the ethics and the way in which to do brain science-based persuasion the ethical way and creating that connection, knowing how the human brain actually wants to receive content. So that's why I wanted to have Dan here. I was one of my first guests here with Copying Content. Uh, Dan, what are you best known for? Can you share a little bit more about your story? Uh, Fill in any blanks. Uh, What did I miss? Totally. Yeah. Uh, First off, thanks, John, for having me. Super excited to be on
1: Copying Content so, my background is primarily in the entrepreneurial world, so I started my business relatively straight out of college. I had a brief stint at a marketing tech startup where I cut my teeth learned all the all about marketing and uh, technology and strategy all that sort of stuff, and jumped very quickly into doing work for myself and along that same timeline, I was very interested in the world of of uh, startups and emerging technology, so I started a think tank in New York City, which is where I was living at the time, and really started building a network around around technology that was being used for good. and so being a marketing agency, I knew that this was not in alignment you know with with this passion that I have for technology. So as I started digging into research around Some of the areas that intersected between this area of expertise that I developed, marketing, and emerging technology, I started looking closer at this thing called neuromarketing. And I started learning a little bit more about how the brain worked and how behavioral science is, is organized and how neuroscience and neuromarketing studies are conducted. And I, I became very interested in it primarily because the technology that we have access to today, specifically functional MRIs and EEG uh, scans, which is short for uh, electroencephalography, uh, is it gives us an ability to peer into the brain. And oh, that's your word of the day. You know, that's the, the word of the day. Yeah, <laughs> I have to prepare myself <laughs> mentally every, <laughs> every time. I'm like the couple of words that I'm saying before that word are just like brainless because I'm preparing the mental energy to say that
0: word. <laughs> Don't ask me to
1: spell it. Don't ask me to spell it. <laughs> right. Right. Exactly. So so I started to to you know get very interested in this world because it it was the the intersection of of my expertise and my passion, which at the time were very different. So as I dove into this world, I I continued to build what would become our mission at Vivid Labs, which is to use technology to improve humanity. And right now we're a marketing agency and, and that's, we do very well uh, in the work that we do. My vision is that we're going to be Starting many, many different companies, many, many different products and services that ultimately improve the world and improve humanity. And so the the business that we are in right now is in product launches and and really advanced digital marketing campaigns. So in order to, to remain competitive in that space this concept of neuromarketing, the practice, the science of neuromarketing, not necessarily a concept, the actual science is mm-hmm. used on our part to, yes, differentiate ourselves as a service provider, but also to sort of act as the gatekeepers of the more cutting edge side of this realm. Because there are a lot of of marketing agencies out there, but not so many of them actually use neuroscience as the basis of their campaigns and of their sure, sure. strategy. So we've got a code of ethics. Uh there, there are a couple of neuromarketing codes of ethics out there, and we adhere to them very closely because, as I mentioned, really our ultimate goal is to, to use technology to improve humanity, not to make it make it worse. <laughs> sure. There's a lot of there's a lot of examples out there of neuromarketing and neuroscience just being put to nefarious means and and used for nefarious purposes so that's really against our code of ethics our values so that's really where everything started to fall into place for me from a philosophical standpoint uh from a just an entrepreneurial standpoint in terms of you know where i know that that we're headed as a company so you know, we continue to do, to do this work. We continue to work with awesome clients, pioneers in their field. That we mm-hmm. we get their products out there, and we help them. We help them get
0: in front of their their the their people, right? <laughs> like their audience. Sure.
1: And we well, use at
0: science. You do have some great clients, and we've been able to work together on a number of projects. And oh yeah. what I love is that um, the approach that you and your team take with Vivid Labs is not just, hey, uh, who's a client that could uh, give us a nice paycheck and, you know, we're able to get some great results, but you actually take on clients. It feels like every client that I've been able to work with, with you and your team with Vivid Labs, every client so far um, has a great message that you can support with or without a paycheck. It's when we're like, they really want, yeah. actually want to We're help. very proud of that, yeah. Yeah, yeah. And back to the neuromarketing, um, you know, anybody, some anytime somebody hears like, hey, neuromarketing and brain science persuasion, I think there's kind of like this, a little bit of kind of the ick factor if mm. you don't know the context for that. And I love what you're saying about the code of ethics. Like, what are some of the, um, it feels like you're probably fighting a bit of an uphill battle when it comes to the stigma of persuasion and neuroscience that people either don't understand or they might've had a bad experience. Kind of What does that look like for you and your team on a daily basis to fight that stigma? so we
1: don't typically fight it it's not something that that people talk about it's not even something that that we encounter as a as an objection it's something that we're proactively aware of exists in the back of the minds of people that we work with so really where all of our conversations around neuromarketing begin is with that premise of we're only going to be doing things ethically. Like I personally have a database full of these strategies that I come up with all the time because I read research reports and I'm like, Ooh, that w- this would be a cool advertising campaign to test out. And we run experiments all the time and we're about to actually publish our experiments. And, and that's the starting point, right? For, for all of those, those, uh, those strategies, the ethical, premise of running experiments and publishing campaigns that are based on ethical neuromarketing strategies is what guides our decisions because I have that database full of things of strategies
0: that I'm like, this is super evil. Like, (laughs) yeah, <laughs> <can use> that this <laughs> is like a doctor evil you know alvendibad yeah. and all this. so like oh i and i think from the neuromarketing standpoint neuromarketing is just like anything else powerful that we see in the world exactly for yes. good or can be used for evil and we have to acknowledge that especially with how incredibly uh, extraordinary the, the human brain is that we have to recognize there is this um, responsibility on a marketing standpoint and i would say when when you look at you know, how you approach your clients, how I approach your audience. Um, what has kind of shifted for you in the last six months uh, with Vivid Labs? And how do you really see, because uh, we were talking a little bit about kind of some ideas that you have on the horizon. What are some things you can share? So we
1: have, in the last six months, really been doubling down on our step, our, our process. And we looked at how we launched products in the last several years and what has worked really well and what hasn't worked really well and what came out of that investigation was a seven-step process that we're we now call the vivid method and that method now lies behind all of the projects that we do uh, the workshops that we now host for our clients which build out their whole marketing timeline Based on this method, and really the the backbone of the method itself is testing and experimentation, Uh, multiple Mm -hmm. rounds of seeing what works and what doesn't work. And I think one of the things that has shifted in our messaging and and honestly in in my you know philosophy is that you don't have to get it right the first time. In fact, it's very rare to get it right the first time. (laughs) If you're you're talking about marketing, right? I have never met anybody who got right the first time. So if you know that and you accept that, then you can start realizing that, okay, I don't have to put all my eggs in one basket with this one launch that my entire year is built around. And if it doesn't work or if it doesn't even you know, meet half of our expectations, then we're screwed. That's hope marketing. And, <laughs> and Jeff Walker first termed that or coined that phrase and 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 i loved it because it's it just like yeah, i hope it works approach <laughs> it just it it strikes at the heart of everything that i don't like about the internet marketing world <laughs> because, you know it's it's almost like you have people left and right being like oh i'm gonna build a funnel i'm gonna build a funnel i'm gonna launch a product or you know i'm gonna do i'm, I'm gonna do this latest shiny object thing facebook messenger bots and so on and they they are hoping that it works, and they're not doing the research. Mm-hmm. And they're not looking at the numbers, and they don't. They they don't. They are delusional about their audience engagement. Whatever the case may be, um, yeah. well, and, to- and that's that's also a, a a pessimistic view. But it's also reality in some cases. Sure, the view is saying your audience is not engaging with you, or you don't have a very large audience, or whatever the case may be. But you can grow it through. A campaign that involves multiple rounds of experimentation or a couple of different campaigns that have a specific time period, a specific goal. And if it doesn't work, then you move on to the next campaign. You try the next thing, you try the next thing. Mm. But that requires work. And one of the the reasons that you know we started working with a very specific group of clients, types of types of clients, is that you need to have that work ethic. And, and a lot of times. You don't find that people are understanding of that, and and you don't yeah. find that that. Uh, and I, this is a, this is not a blanket statement, but there are companies out there, there are clients out there who expect to just like you know put money in, and they're going to get money out. Mm, right? Sure,
0: with a brand new product or service, like <laughs> and, and it's one. And you make a great point because I think too much. When it comes to marketing, and in a, um, whether you're a consultant, you're a coach, you're just starting uh, in the podcasting space, whatever it might be, and saying, Well, I have a new product and I'm going to put this out there. And and I think too many times we see marketing and we believe it's mar- marketing is more like a money making machine. I put in a, a one, I get out of five, or put in a five, I get out of 50, whatever it might be. Yeah. And I think it comes back, I think that's a fundamental flaw that so many Marketers have is going. You can't treat your marketing like it's a money-making machine. You have to treat it as a service-based approach first. How can I put in something to help somebody else before I get the money back in return?
1: Right, and, and it also is a, a game of expectation management. When you are when you're working with clients and and you find the right client, and to your point that you just made, you you go in with a value mindset and you ask what is actually being provided here and, and why are people actually buying this? Then you start asking the right questions. But you also, as an agency owner personally, and I'm sure that listeners can also relate to this in their own particular positions, setting expectations that you do need to test, you do need to try out multiple things, you need to find out where those hot pockets are before you start, you know, shooting for the moon. Absolutely. Uh, the, the giant launches that you see uh, consumer packaged goods brands uh, releasing, Procter & Gamble, Dove, like, you know, Nike, whatever, those launches are not something that they cooked up last month. Like They've been working on it for the last
0: 6-12 months yeah. from a testing standpoint to Talk develop. Talk about
1: you know, neuromarketing. They spend hundreds of thousands of dollars putting people into MRI machines, you know, figuring out whether or not this particular ad made them feel pleasure or pain or made them anxious or whatever. Like mm-hmm. This is not something that, that they just came up with. It, there's a lot of strategy in it. Nike just had a, a very notorious ad that just came out and people were trying to figure out, like, I saw a, somebody asked on Cora, on do you think Nike did research on this? Or they just, you know, uh, uh, released this on, on a whim? It was a serious question. And, like, i
0: I, I <laughs> like, let's put a couple. Nike, mo- yeah. Nike's not stupid. <laughs> <laughs> let's just assume Nike has a plan. Yeah. They are where they are. Uh, Phil Knight kind of knows what he's doing and his team kind of know what they're doing. Pretty um, sure. But yeah. You mentioned the MRI machine. I think that's very interesting because um, with Vivid Labs, how do you see the lab part of what you produce from a client standpoint? How do you see that playing out? Is it using MRIs? Is it using some sort of um, um, the science behind a mm-hmm. brain activity? How do you see that playing out? Yeah,
1: so, so we are building out our research arm quite aggressively. And part of that is going to be Conducting client studies through, so there's phase one, which is uh, implicit memory testing. So we are working with a company called IE IEProU, which is an implicit memory testing uh, software. And uh, we'll actually be conducting studies with our clients and sample populations on different elements of our clients' marketing strategies or, in, or specifically marketing campaigns that we're trying to figure out more about. So for example, uh, if we, if a, if a company had a spokesperson, you could play the, you could play a uh, video or you could show a photo of the spokesperson and then, you know, run this test. And there, uh, there are many different uh, variants of questions and controls and so on in this software that are able to measure the emotional response that somebody has to the spokesperson same thing can be done for a logo or a jingle or whatever sure sure that's phase one phase two is going to be buying an mri machine and then actually running uh functional mri studies which are the higher highest resolution um, fmris are better than mris from a resolution standpoint um, Studies on these same sorts of you know populations, you can just see into their brains, right? Like what areas are being lit up, and what mm-hmm. areas are associated with certain feelings and certain responses—amygdala versus prefrontal cortex versus—and so you know, so on and so forth. Sure. So uh, that is that's the you know five-year plan for us, and then you know our as I mentioned before, our mission is to improve you know humanity with technology. That's not just going to happen through the marketing world. So we're going to eventually start a healthcare company that
0: is going to be making use of that MRI machine in some creative ways excellent so I mean you're you're, you're just a marketing agency that happens to have an MRI machine in the back and right. um, <laughs> you know which of course is the oversimplified and I think that it's fascinating because what sticks out to me is not necessarily the approach because approach is unique enough as it is but the financial investment that you're that you're wanting to make to get MRI machines to be able to use that from a um, truly a testing standpoint, people say, well, we did some split testing. No, it's taking the actual marketing testing to a much higher level when you have the actual brain science and the scans to Mm -hmm. reflect the the human brain response to certain spokespersons or messages or headlines or whatever it might be. And I I think for me, it goes, when you see this type of investment, um, it's obvious to me that this isn't Uh, This is not just a whim of an idea for you. Like, oh, I'm going to start a marketing company. I'm going to use brain science. No, I feel like this is something that's so deep into your DNA, into the bones of who you are, that um, seeing this come to fruition, for me, it's exciting to see it all come together. And, you know, from the outside looking at it, I'm a fan, of course, which is why I wanted to (laughs) to have you here on copy and content. But I think about what was, I think about like from a message standpoint, we're talking about the thought leader space and, and this copy and content um, podcast is all about, it's for thought leaders who give an ish about their audience. And what I mean by that is j- you just see exhibit A right here with Dan. He actually gives an ish uh, about his audience and and the way in which he's spending thousands upon thousands of dollars to get uh, medical technology in place to know how do our brains really want to be best served, not sold, but served. And I think that's the key part that we have here. So like Dan, I'd love to hear how... Uh, whose message really influenced you the most to get to this point that you're at with vivid labs who are the like two or three people who said that message really inspired me
1: well uh the big guy that I always look up to is elon musk uh he's i am a I'm a huge uh space nerd physics nerd he's sort of like the 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 manifestation of that nerddom. <laughs> For me, uh, he's also a visionary, which is the same sort of mindset that I share. Uh, I also really respect Richard Branson, uh, mm-hmm. the, the brand that he's built. Yeah, the, Sir well. the Sir Richard Branson, as it were. The Sir Richard Branson, indeed. Yeah, the I, I, I'm basically pulling. I'm pulling different elements of their businesses into my own, uh, specifically the the umbrella brand structure of Virgin, the cross. The cross company synergy of SpaceX, SolarCity, City, Tesla, and so on and so forth. So, really, I'm learning from those guys how to build companies that that serve each other, serve the world, and have like a a, a shared mission. And that's what Vivid is all about. So that that would be really where where my messaging, I guess, has has come from. And one quote pops into my head from uh, Yannick Silver, who is the founder of the Maverick Group, who Sir Richard Branson is also affiliated with, uh, and is a network that I
0: have been part of for a couple of years. And he has You're a you been wearing your Camp Maverick shirt right now. I am actually see I'm on the podcast, but I can see it so. here. <laughs> <laughs>
1: um, Camp Maverick is is the single event that I that I went to this year uh, that you know, I, I, you know, put a lot of money and time aside for, it's always been, I I met my girlfriend and future wife there. So. Um, there you go. You and know, future added,
0: wife. I mean, we're kind of putting a little bit of an expectation there. I mean, this, <laughs> oh, the, the
1: expectation. Call your shot. It. Call I, your I shot. A universe while ago.
0: Um, Yannick had somebody
1: uh, tell him or ask him the question, do you want, it was something like this. I'm paraphrasing, uh, but it was, do you want to, float down the river or change the course of the river Mm. and that that points to a, a mindset shift that a lot of people have at some points in their lives which oftentimes leads to entrepreneurship other times leads to innovation and and other forms of growth but for me that was interpreted i i heard that quote a long time ago from yannick and that was back when i had you know, what I call blind ambition. I just want to improve the world. Like, I don't even know how I'm going to do it. No I'm specifics. Just, I'm, I'm yeah, yeah. Yeah. The specifics will come. I just know that I want to do big things. And I heard that um, quote, and it, it probably shifted the way that I think about humanitarianism and technology and, and so, like, what can be done. So, sure. that's where I'm coming from 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year it's, it's shifting
0: the course of the river. It's not just floating along. Well, and I think uh, taking such a unique approach and it's obvious to me that there's, you know, you are working to shift the course of the the river and there doesn't look like a whole lot of floating right now because floating would, would say, I don't really care about testing or I don't really, I'm going to put out this content as long as I make sales. Um, that's the point, but I, I don't see any, uh, any status quo or any, you know, satisfaction with just the status quo when it comes to vivid labs. And that's exciting to see. Um, so as you're, as you're building out more and you're kind of going to phase one, like you're talking about kind of like what, what are the types of content? What kind of pieces of content that you're finding that really are helping you with that shift as you bring it vivid labs into the kind of this next season? What what are the pieces of content? Is it video? Is it podcasting? What does that look like? Uh, this is going to be a boring response, but research
1: reports, <laughs> <laughs> you know, what, yeah, to be honest. um, yeah. you know, I, I've, I've actually been, been, so two things actually come to mind. The first one's research reports. We, we use, uh, IBIS world as a, as a research provider and I love going through their reports. It's a wonderful company that does a lot of thorough research on different, uh, industries. So, We find out a lot about, you know, uh, our client projects from, from those research reports. We also find out, you know, whether or not an industry is growing or shrinking or uh, what the, what the, where the cutting edge of the industry is in. Um, So that's the first one. Second one is um, honestly uh, tweets because, and, and I am not, you can go on my Twitter account. I'm not like actively posting on Twitter, but I am following a lot of people on a lot of companies on Twitter, um, Cantar media, uh, Lieberman research worldwide. Like if I open up my phone right now, like I'll have, you know, texts from Gartner, uh, Cantar media, Peter Diamandis. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I use that as a tool to just keep my finger on the pulse of what's happening in the market research world. I also have some Google alerts set up, um, But those, are, those point to articles that those companies are releasing, new research reports, mm-hmm. uh, grit reports from uh, the Green Book. And so uh, you know I'm really paying attention to, to the cutting edge of market research. We're also paying attention to, I also pay a lot of attention to uh, the innovative companies that are working in virtual reality, voice tech, and augmented reality. So we're going to be launching our first uh, VR project with the client most likely next week. Um, and same thing with voice, um, uh, same, same client. So like Alexa, Google home, that sort of stuff. Yep. Absolutely. And it's my opinion that if we're not, if we're not on the, on the, you know, fastest growing platforms out there, then we're not doing our job <laughs> <laughs> as, a, or as a marketing agency. So, you know, it's just my opinion, man.
0: Yeah. But, and I'll, I'll probably second that opinion on it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but, but I think you made a Plus good point exciting. that, uh, you know, um, there's absolutely looking towards a forward-facing and what's on the, that early adoption of mm-hmm. the bell curve when it comes to technology, especially when you talk about AI, machine learning, um, you know, voice, AR, VR. Um, but there's also, I think it's interesting, you also went back to uh, one of the earliest social media platforms of Twitter mm-hmm. and still finding a lot of great technology. And so that's one where I think it's just a a a, a piece of advice for no matter what industry you're in, um, uh, don't necessarily write off a social media platform. Like, oh, well, I'm I'm in fashion and uh, I do Snapchat, but I, I don't really you know Snapchat and Instagram, but I don't really do you know Twitter. You might be surprised. Or, yeah,
1: I don't use Facebook or Instagram to stay on top of my industry. I use Twitter. I use <laughs> Facebook and Instagram to talk to my audience. Sure, but that's just my style. Sure, that's like I'm not a tweeter. <laughs> like. Melanie, my girlfriend, she's on Twitter all the time. Like you yeah, know, Melanie's constantly like, tweeting. Yeah. And, and, and like, I, I respect the hell out of that because mm-hmm. I can't do it. I like, I, it's not in my brain and I can't get on, in, like, I will open Instagram still, like, and I'm relative, I think I'm pretty active on it. Like I'll open Instagram, like maybe once a day because I'm busy and I'm doing other things. And so, you know, yes, I'm in marketing. I I have a marketing agency there's also a human element to, to say like, Hey, I'm, I'm a human being too. And like, I'm not perfect at this. Uh, you know, there are entire teams that are our, our clients, you know, use, uh, and, and we have a team that is very good at that. But for those of you who are listening, you got to find out what your voice is. Like, I love, Instagram stories. I, I'll, I'll whip open Instagram stories and, and like, and record videos left yeah. and right. But like, I don't like writing the long text posts and everything. So like, I'll do that if I find like a really good photo, that's, you know, that's sort of like, uh, <laughs> it, it, it's, it's like the creme de la creme of the photos that I, <laughs>
0: that I take. <laughs> I kind of cherry pick my, this one. Let's go, Let's be honest. Kind of cherry pick. Uh, right, right. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. <laughs>
1: Everything else is in my story because that's my life. And I, I don't have time to, you know, have the perfect shot of the perfect selfie or whatever. And, and that's my voice and that will evolve and that will change. Uh, but like my brand is the, you know, nerdy cousin of Don Draper. Like that's <laughs> the, that's what I, that's what I am. I, I'm, it's not what I'm going for, but like, that's what I am. And, and so. Like madman with a lab coat. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> exactly. Which um, and really I cool. own that. And I love that. And I'll talk, you know, I'll talk experimentation and and quantum physics all day. I'm a nerd, okay? But I also have figured out a way to turn that into language and turn that into services that people like and, and will pay for and find value in. So, mm-hmm. you know, if we're talking about copying content, that is what really good content is it is the the intersection of your true brand your true honest personality and what other people see as valuable
0: in that truth hmm. well and i think piggybacking on that is it's going to knowing that you have now the you're getting the medical technology in place it also i think there's some enlightenment that you and your team do Uh, we don't know what we don't know but also we don't know how certain audiences are craving messages and they don't realize they're craving it until we see the scans until we see you know do actual testing and research off of that and then being able to say um, I, i like to think of um I can't remember who, uh, what brand it was, but they made uh, tomato, uh, tomato sauce for spaghetti, so spaghetti sauce. And uh, for years, they had, um, uh, they had kind of a meat sauce or they had a, just a regular kind of marinara sauce. And for years, they then did research and they actually put out to the, the actual um, market and they asked, well, what type of, of spaghetti sauce do you really want? And they had an overwhelming amount of people responded with chunky tomato spaghetti sauce. That's interesting. And so they put together and they actually created a new line of chunky tomato sauce. And it was their biggest seller for the next like three or four years. But people Mm -hmm. don't know what they don't know until we actually give them a chance to express what they're wanting and for us to be able to understand and study those responses, those desires. And then we can actually match that with products and services in a way that actually meets felt needs at that point.
1: Yeah. And what's interesting about that is that it goes both ways because with this technology, we're able to see when people are lying. Mm. And and I say that with an asterisk because oftentimes they don't know that they're lying. Mm. We have mechanisms in our brains which pro- try to protect us from feelings of inferiority or judgment or, or many other things. And it causes us, specifically when we're asked whether or not we would pay for something, we have an inability to we have I shouldn't say inability we are much less able to predict our future actions than we are able to predict other people's future actions because we have these mechanisms in place and so if you if you're listening to that and you're in marketing and you will specifically market research then you're thinking to yourself well why for the last 50 years have they held focus groups where the most important question, will you buy this or would you buy this is asked. And that's why focus groups have started to become a little bit debunked because as soon as the person walks out of the room for the focus group and they're offered to buy that product, <laughs> guess what they did? <laughs> yeah, oh no. That. I'm like, eh. no, maybe next time. <laughs> Whatever. I'm about that? They didn't know that they were lying. But no. there were these, there were these, these, you know, triggers and, 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 you know, circuits in their brain that were saying, just say yes, just say yes, they won't know, you know. So when you put them in an MRI machine, like your brain doesn't lie, like blood flow to certain areas of your brain is not like an indicator a fake out. <laughs> yeah. 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 So, so we're able to actually pierce through a lot of those, those social filters that are put up. Um, and I'll also add that this this science of neuromarketing is one tool in a tool belt. Mm. It's, yes, one of the fastest growing and and most cutting edge areas of the market research world. But there's also a a large portion of of the marketing world which is better off, reliant on intuition.
0: Mm. you know,
1: better off, you know, reliant on uh, on figuring out for ourselves what looks best, sounds best, tastes best, um, reads best, and so on and so forth. So, and and if you actually look at at the different fields of of market research, the, the, the most valuable insights often come from the way that somebody describes something, the words that they use, mm. uh, the, in, you know, the aggregated language that a group of people have, have used to describe a certain experience or a product or a service is very valuable in, in copywriting, right? Absolutely. Like if you send out a survey to a thousand people and you say, what made you buy this? And they have to think about that, that go through that that process of putting words to that experience, you know, that's not necessarily a neuromarketing thing. That's, it's not a neuromarketing thing. It's a, it's a, you know, it's a very qualitative uh, experience, yet it provides a direction for a copywriting prompt.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And I think for me, for our team here with Keynote Content um, is, is saying, okay, as we write this copy, we create content. Um, it's amazing to me, you know, when people say, well, wow, this is a great copy. How'd you come up with it? we use some of the testimonials and feedback forms that you collected. We actually use that to use some of the same words to speak and appeal to the people. So I, I felt, felt so much more hope, or I felt clarity on my message after working with so-and-so. Well, guess what? If we're going to include clarity of message inside our copy, it identifies with the messages that people want to connect with. And then we can actually ethically deliver on that with these products and services. Uh, and so, you know, from a messaging standpoint, and you made some great points talking about, you know, the way in which we actually connect with our audiences and and being able to use the natural responses of brain activity to keep pushing the the message forward closer to actually giving people what do they exactly want, whether they realize it or not. Right. Um, so I, I think for you, like, what's, what's one piece of advice that you can give, you know, anybody in the thought leader space, coach, consultant uh, podcaster, YouTuber, whatever it is. Uh, what's one piece of con- advice you can give them about how to grow their impact and that, that you can share from your expertise.
1: It would be, it would be, uh, I, I'll repeat a piece of what I had mentioned earlier, which is find, find that overlap between your personal brand and style and that, which other people are finding valuable. Mm. because there's there's a piece of Dwayne Johnson's style that causes people to pay attention and see value in what he's he's saying right he has something valuable to say to a certain group of people he uses his style his his fame his you know uh authenticity and so on as the delivery mechanism for his truth right mm. his message Absolutely Absolutely I think I think a lot of influencers um have figured that out. Uh, I think a lot of aspiring influencers have not figured that out, and mm. that's okay because that's a very introspective and difficult process. But once you do find that, then you have a delivery mechanism for whatever you want to give to your audience, which you know they will feel is
0: valuable. yep, uh, absolutely. Uh, no question there. so I, uh, I know that you're an avid reader. I know that we were talking just about you know the the research reports or whatnot, but I'd love to hear from you kind of what's uh, what's uh, one or two books or maybe a handful of books that you've read in the last year that, that really made an impact on you from a marketing standpoint, from a thought leader standpoint, or some books that kind of just jumped out to you. Um, so
1: the, the a more recent one that comes to mind is thinking fast and slow by Daniel Kahneman, uh, predictably irrational by, uh, Dan, really one of my favorite books. He's a behavioral economist. He, Is uh, he has a got a great TED talk as well? Like, highly recommend uh, you check him out. Uh, Biology spelled B U Y O L O G Y by Martin Lindstrom, and these are all in the marketing space, but they they get my get my uh, gears moving. Uh, Outside of the marketing space in the technology world, uh, my two favorite books are written by the two two of the same people, Peter Diamandis and Stephen Kotler. Stephen Kotler is my favorite author of all time other than F. Scott Fitzgerald, but they're in two separate categories. <laughs> um, <laughs> they co-wrote abundance and bold. Okay. okay. Peter Diamandis is the, the founder of uh, the X Prize Foundation and Singularity University. Um, he co-founded that with Ray Kurzweil, I believe. And he's a futurist to the bone and I love the research that they do. And uh, they basically are the two people that I think about when, I attribute any ounce of interest that I have in uh, emerging technology and what what they call as exponential technology. So, those are the big ones. Okay. Although so it's not
0: the, in the last year. So like that was okay. That's okay. <laughs> yeah. that's okay. You know, I gave you, you know, plenty of latitude for that. And so <laughs> like, if you're listening here and, and you're going, okay, well, I'm looking for some new books, whether it's in the, the marketing space uh, that might be more specific to neuromarketing. Uh, Dan just gave you some great uh, recommendations. The, the biology and the thinking fast and slow, those both jumped out to me. And, uh, you know, check out that TED Talk make sure that you can uh, connect uh, with those messages and just see how neuromarketing and how your audience thinks about what your message is actually communicating and and just see how that can actually influence the way in which you uh, create more content, create new and fresh content for this next next month and heading into the fall and into uh, 2019. So uh, as we kind of wrap it up here, I'd love to um it, if somebody's listening to say, "Hey, I want to learn more from Dan and from Dan's area of genius, how do they get in, co- in contact with you, how do they get connected? Mm. Um, what's the next step from here?
1: So uh, our website is the vividlab.com So if you want to check out what we're doing, some of the experiments that we're running and technologies we're working with, that's definitely the place to check out. Uh, my blog and uh, speaking page is at speakingofbrilliance.com that's my personal brand. And okay. uh, play, basically, where I where I post all of my musings and ideas and stuff like that.
0: So yeah. uh, those links will be in the show notes as well. So um, as well as the link to the TED Talk and those those books, so you can make sure that nothing gets gets lost. As you, if you're on the go, it's right there in the show notes. Wow. Uh, well, that's great. Well, thank you so much for your time today, Dan. It was great to connect, and uh, you know, Absolutely. hopefully, we need to grab a, a, a drink of choice, as a were, maybe grab a bite to eat here. Uh, Dan also lives here in Denver with me. Absolutely. Um, we don't live together. We live both in the city of Denver. They've got all sorts of beer festivals coming up. Absolutely. October. And, fest- and like, no matter what time you're listening to this episode, that's still true. <laughs> <laughs> Absolutely. We have seasonal uh, beer festivals or you know, wine festivals as it were. And so uh, I think that'd be great. Well, again, thank you so much, Dan, for your time and you, uh, check out the vivid lab.com. I want to make sure I'm saying that right. That's and uh, you know, every go ahead rocket um, give an ish about your audience today this week figure out how can you continue to make a greater impact and thanks for listening to copy and content thanks for listening to the copy and content podcast with john cook if you like what you heard do what fans do subscribe share rave and show up for our next episode of copy and content but until then stay beautiful my friend